I'm your host, William Tapley, also known as the Third Eagle of the Apocalypse. Stop, the stop, 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 stop. You cannot make it look like William Tapley is supporting our program. Sorry, folks. Chris Roseborough here, just to remind you, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, and financial contributions in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. And no, William Tapley is not our spokesperson. Uh, If you don't already support us financially, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. And when you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute. $6.95 $6.95 to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. And, of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. All right, on to the program. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Monday, August 5th, 2013. Long weekend. And I hit all of my exercise goals last week. Woohoo! <laughs> now, as we're going into today's episode, I, I need to um, warn you about tomorrow's episode. <laughs> Yeah, I I know that sounds crazy. Stay tuned. I'll give you details. Hang on. Thank you for tuning in or listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to slow down, open up our Bibles, read things in context so that we can tell whether or not we're being told the truth or being bamboozled or schnookered. Uh, by somebody who is um, deceiving us or making merchandise of us or, you know, things of that nature. <sighs> yes. Now, all of that being said, um, I'm going to warn you about tomorrow's program uh, today. And I'll warn you about tomorrow's program tomorrow uh, as well. I, I, I want to give you a fair warning. Uh, here's the idea. From time to time here at Fighting for the Faith, and it's been a couple of years since I've done this, um, what I will do is I will basically lay out for listeners uh, what it is that the confessional Lutherans teach regarding baptism. And, and the reason why this is necessary is because oftentimes I get emails from folk uh, you know, who will say, you know, them Lutherans, uh, they're nothing but, uh, you know, Catholic, Roman Catholics that flunked Latin, and uh, and they don't believe the truth regarding baptism. They, they There ain't no biblical passages that support the Lutheran doctrine of baptism. And, you know, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, a lot of times I'll politely just say, yeah, no, that's really not the case. Here's the biblical passages, and, and I'll have email exchanges on a regular basis with people. But from time to time, it becomes necessary to kind of lay it all out. Now, here's the goal, okay? In a situation like this, my expectation is that when you hear the Lutheran position, that you have an open Bible and you compare what I'm saying to the Word of God 
the same way, and I mean this, the same way that we compare what other pastors and teachers or people whose sermons we review here at Fighting for the Faith are reviewed, are, you know, held up to the Word of God. That's the idea. I am not immune from this little exercise. And understand this. Is it, my hope is that after hearing the Lutheran position, and the reason why this has become necessary is because uh, there's a guy who uh, who is part of the I'll Tell You the Truth uh, video blogs, you know, bloggers out there who's a Reformed Baptist who uh, called me out by name in a recent sermon and, and uh, basically said that, you know, I teach heresy and that Martin Luther was a heretic and, you know, and, and all of this has to do with baptism. And and so, you know, it's like, uh, okay. So from time to time, it becomes necessary to put, you know, put basically gird my loins, put on my armor, and, and and enter the fray, so to speak, by putting out a positive position. My goal, and my, the only thing I'm asking you to do, is compare what I'm saying to God's Word. Now, I'll have a guest with me on the program tomorrow, and that's uh, Pastor Daniel Emery Price. Uh, pastor Price is the uh, pastor of a small congregation, church planning congregation out there in northwest Arkansas. And he, like me, is somebody who uh, is a convert from American evangelicalism, kind of you know, the, you know the, the, that kind of what we critique here often is probably the best way to put it. Although uh, he was uh, more in the charismatic movement, I spend a little bit of time in the charismatic movement, but I was more in, in kind of the Methodist. Uh, Nazarene stream of evangelicalism. He was really hardcore into the uh, the charismatic movement. But b- both of us have come out of American evangelicalism and embrace uh, the Lutheran confessions and believe that what the Lutheran confessions say is the same thing as what Scripture says. So you, know, you kind of have to get the that, that idea. So I'm going to invite him on the program, and we're going to lay out uh, the positive case, you know, biblically for what the Lutheran confessions say and teach regarding baptism. Okay, again, your your got your job is to listen with an open Bible and compare what we're saying. Now, I recently had an exchange with somebody. In fact, it was kind of funny. Um I an email exchange, you know, because again cuz you know, I get a lot of emails along this line. And, you know, some, the, the guy started off by saying, what you believe regarding bab- baptism isn't taught in the Bible. There are no passages that say any of the stuff that you guys believe. That was his assertion. So I sent him uh, the, my first response back to him. And uh, funny enough, I keep this in a document now because I have to send it out so often. My first response back to him was that I sent him um, a, a list of the biblical passages that I believe form uh, they are the clearest passages in the New Testament as to what baptism is, what it does, who's doing it, and who it's for. Okay, and so I sent him the list of, of passages, and we're, in fact, we're going to talk about these tomorrow. I sent him the list of passages, and I said, "Well, that's funny because I believe regarding baptism exactly what these biblical texts say." Okay. He then sent me an email back, and he took a lot of time on this, and he took every one of the passages and tried to demonstrate to me that none of them are talking about baptism, that the promises in those verses don't actually exist, that that they are that they're not to be understood as offering anything, and what they say is not what they mean, and they mean the opposite of what they say. That's was the the gist of his email. So. Another document that I keep handy is uh, that I've co- basically collected over the years is uh, passages from the writings of the earliest Christians. Okay, so these would be from the writings of the church fathers and all of them prior to the uh, sixth century. 
Um, and so it, I keep a, a, a you know, basically a really long document on this of what they've said regarding baptism. And I and I sent an email back to him basically saying, well, listen, I said, it's weird that you say that that passage isn't about baptism because the ancient church, the earliest Christians emphatically agreed that this is about baptism. And here's what they said. And so, or, and they, and what they say about each of those passages, I sent him uh, those uh, quote citations from the church fathers to which no joke, the email that I got back from him was, well, then every one of those people are heretics. <laughs> I mean, really Irenaeus heretic. Uh, <laughs> it's like, Really, Irenaeus is a heretic. Ignatius of Antioch, heretic. Um, Chris, John Chrysostom, heretic. Um, you know, uh, Augustine, heretic. Uh, you know, it was absolutely fascinating. And so I politely pushed back. And in a follow-up email, I said, well, listen, every one of these people that I've cited, none of them are considered to be heretics. Um, you know, in fact, there, there's no, uh, you know, even the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, considers these men to actually be the orthodox defenders of the historic Christian faith. And, you know, and, and I said, it's important to also note that all of these men wrote long before the usurpation of the uh, of the bishop of Rome and uh, and all of the bizarre doctrines that uh, ended up you know becoming part of quote Christianity uh, via the Roman Catholic Church uh, through the Middle Ages. I said none of these men were tainted by any of that, and uh, and you know, and then he proceeded to tell me the, the the last email that he gave me. He changed his tone completely. Okay, no longer was I being charged with get this. No longer was I being charged with believing what you know, a, 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 a doctrine regarding baptism that isn't taught in scriptures. Nope. He changed his tone. He said, listen, your problem, and not only my problem, the, you know, by extension, the problem even with the earliest Christians, is this, that we're taking the Bible literally. That was what we ended with. And so... My goal for those of you who are not familiar with the Lutheran doctrine of baptism and what it is that Lutherans believe, teach, and confess regarding baptism as far as what it does, who's doing it, who it's for, uh, what it's for, um, if you're not familiar with this, it's going to, for lack of a better way of putting it, it's going to be like culture shock. It might be a cold bucket of water in your face, but I believe it is necessary for this reason. I believe it's necessary for this reason because I think it's important for people to be exposed to a more ancient uh, teaching regarding baptism, and so that they. So that I don't get these emails as often, you know, from people saying, "Oh, what you believe isn't taught in the Bible." No, actually, what I believe is taught straight out of the Bible. The question is, how are we to understand these texts? And so tomorrow we're gonna we're gonna lay this out, and what we'll do on tomorrow's episode of Fighting for the Faith is we will um, be playing portions of Matt Haney's uh, sermon in how he's handling handling these biblical texts and trying to demonstrate that what he's doing with these texts actually can't be done. Uh, it's bad hermeneutics, if you would. And uh, and then we'll cite for you also how the uh, the earliest Christians, the uh, church fathers, understood these biblical texts that we'll take a look at. So tomorrow's program, controversial. It, it's going to be controversial. And understand this. I'm not trying to get in your face. I'm not trying to you know bark and yell at you or call you a heretic or anything like that. What I want to do is expose you to... Uh, what, how Lutherans read the scriptures when it comes to baptism, and then let you decide. 
You know, I as far as I'm concerned, it's God's. Uh, these are God's doctrines, right? The Bible's God's word, and so if if what I'm saying is true, well, believe it. If not, then you know, f- come up with a biblical, solid biblical hermeneutical without engaging in word games and stuff like that. Reason as to why uh, you reject it, but but keep in mind. Uh, that if you believe differently than I do, I am not of the opinion that that makes you a heretic. I am not of the opinion that having a, a, a flawed understanding of baptism somehow puts you into the category of somebody like Pelagius or uh, somebody you know like uh, Marcion or you know, uh, anything like that. I, I do believe that Satan doesn't want you to believe the truth regarding baptism and that there's very good reasons why you want to embrace these promises and see them as real and for you. Um, and I'll try to demonstrate that tomorrow. But we, we you know, again, we cover this topic every couple of years in depth, and it's it's time to do it again. So, <clears throat> just the best way I can put it is, well, you've been warned. That's the only way I can say it. So I, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's program, and uh, hopefully you'll be patient and bear with me. And some of you will be, <laughs> your head will be spinning. I, I, you know, believe me when I tell you that. Um, I used to believe that baptism was the thing that I did to show the world that I had made a decision for Jesus. That's what I used to believe. And, um, you know, by way of telling a story, um, when I when, when I had my first exposure to confessional Lutherans, when I was uh, studying uh, apologetics and uh, theology at uh, Concordia Irvine, my first year, I was... I, I was a full-blown American evangelical working at fighting for the at, not fighting for the faith, but at uh, fa- uh, focus on the family. I was working at focus on the family then, and um, you know my first exposure to the Lutherans was major culture shock. And what I found interesting, and uh, in, in, in actually kind of a frustrating kind of way, is that w- my uh, my Lutheran college colleagues, my buddies uh, who were in classes with me, uh, they knew that I was an evangelical and. They would often, you know, try to uh, <clears throat> bait me into a debate on the topic of baptism. And already by the time I was studying theology and apologetics at, at Concordia Irvine, um, it was Christ College at the time. Um, already by then, you know, I was, you know, several years into uh, doing uh, counter cult ministry and uh, and doing apologetics against uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and things like that. And uh, and so, you know, I didn't consider myself to be a slouch. When it came to be able to defend, uh, you know, myself biblically and uh, defend what I believe uh, the scriptures taught. In fact, I, I thought at that time that I was, I was better skilled than most. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's kind of a peek into my mind at the time. And uh, when I um, would get into a debate with my Lutheran colleagues regarding baptism, I thought this was just going to be really super easy. I, you know, my my thinking was these dunderheads, they don't even understand that their their doctrine, their beliefs regarding baptism can't be supported from Scripture. And and as a result of it, uh, you know, it's my job to, you know, straighten them out is, is how I thought at the time. And uh, so we, you know, when we would debate, when I would debate the these uh, Lutheran colleagues of mine in college, they would clean my clock, no joke. And it's not that I didn't put up a good front. And what I later learned, and what I truly believed, that the reason why I was never able to defeat these guys was because I wasn't believing what the scriptures say regarding baptism. Now I know that might be like a huge claim for you all, but I'm telling you. Uh, you know, how this went down for me. 
And uh, hopefully tomorrow after the program, you will have an appreciation of an appreciation for what the Lutherans believe, teach, and confess regarding baptism, and you will no longer believe, even secretly, that they don't have a biblical argument. The question is, have they have Lutherans rightly understood the scriptures regarding this? That's that's the question. It's not that they don't have biblical texts on their side. We do. The question is, who's rightly understanding the biblical text? That's the right way of looking at. It. So tomorrow should be an educational experience for some of you, and I'm going to. Put you know, put out a positive teaching and leave it up to you, the listeners of Fighting for the Faith, to test as to whether or not what I am saying, that what I believe, teach, and confess regarding baptism is what the scriptures teach. And so it, it's a it's a good way of making it so that uh, you know I, I'm on the firing line now. It's a good it's a good thing to have have happen from time to time here at Fighting for the Faith. All right, so that's enough about talking about tomorrow's program. Let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We've got. Three things I want to get to in what remains of the first hour. We have a William Tapley update. <sighs> Apparently, um, Cy, uh, you know, Gangnam Style Cy, that guy, he's got a new video out where William Tapley has uh, decided to plumb the eschatological depths of it and is claiming that in this new video, uh, Dream of a Goose, or his this new music video, that Cy ha- has taken on the persona and is playing the role of the Antichrist in a way of that God is trying to send a prophetic message to us that deals with eschatology here. Oh, man, that's crazy. <laughs> so we're going to be listening to, uh, and by the way, he just put up a video yesterday claiming that his his subscribers on YouTube agree with his analysis. <laughs> and uh, we'll take a break. When we come back from the break, I, we've got a, a Patricia King gang update. Uh, Retta McPherson Ministries. Uh, she has a video up at the XP Media website called Time Bombs Number 4. Time Bombs Number 4. And um, <laughs> after listening to this, and, and by the way, thank you f- uh, for those of you listeners who've correctly identified and helped me un- understand that Retta McPherson is from South Africa. I, I was not familiar with that particular accent that she has. Um, but um, <laughs> this teaching, I cannot make heads or tails of it. And uh, hopefully you, the listeners of Fighting for the Faith, can help me understand what it is that this woman is talking about. And then we have a uh, Dr. Cindy Trim update. Dr. Sim- Cindy Trim is a uh, is a, kind of one of those people who hangs with T.D. Jakes and his crowd. And uh, she has a television program now. And apparently there's a way for you to call in blessings for your family, which we'll take a look at. And then in hour number two, um, whew, man. Uh, you thought that some of the sermons last week were bad. Um, yeah, um, I have to warn you about hour number two. The name of the sermon that we're going to be review, uh, reviewing is called Soul Fire Pursuit. And, um, yeah, um, th- let me just put it this way. You are going to need all of the protective gear and equipment that you can possibly find in muster. Uh, to protect yourself from physical harm and danger while listening to this particular sermon. I don't even know how to describe it to you. It's kind of a series of of testimonies given during sermon time. And the testimonies that are being given during sermon time, even by a young woman, um, <clears throat> uh, reveal uh, the uh, the heart of the bad theology and false doctrine being taught over at City of Life Church. So... Yeah, uh, again, it's it's a bizarre uh, sermon. So 
We've got a lot of ground to, gov- to cover on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. And since we're doing a William Tapley update, I feel it's important to do this. Right? It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. Then I feel fine. Bum, bum, bum. All right, so that's our uh, William Tapley, Third Eagle of the Apocalypse, co prophet of the End Times update music. And, um, yeah, well, I don't even know how else to explain this. Um, Here's William Tapley to explain to us how the latest uh, music video by Psy of Gangnam Style is a prophetic message to us and that Psy is playing the role of the Antichrist. Yeah, you can't make this stuff up. Here we go. Welcome to Revelation Unraveled. I'm your host, William Tapley, also known as the Third Eagle of the Apocalypse and the Co-Prophet. Of the end times. Okay, you can't, you cannot see what I'm seeing here. You might want to go to his YouTube channel to see this. Um, go to youtube.com forward slash third eagle books. The end. The name of the video is end of time. End of the Antichrist in size dream of goose. And um, what I'm looking at <laughs> is William Tapley decided to wear a very orange, and I mean orange shirt. Um, kind of like traffic cone kind of orange shirt. And he's standing against a blue backdrop. I believe this is probably his uh, blue screen that he uses, uh, you know, for his, you know, post-production uh, screen work. But in this particular case, uh, the way the lighting is set up is that William Tapley's face, no joke, is as orange as his shirt. I feel like I'm looking at an Oompa Loompa. We continue. This is really amazing, but the Korean pop star Psy is still continuing to give us prophecies about the Antichrist. Do tell. In his newest video, Dream of Goose, which you can find on his official Psy channel, he is predicting the end of the Antichrist and that he will be cast into hell. Really? Psy is doing that all himself. You know, I, why do I need Psy to tell me this? Because the Bible actually says this. This is one of the most fascinating videos I have seen yet from Psy about the Antichrist. Oh, man. I am, I, seriously, I want to do a, a video looking at the prophetic significance that William Tapley looks like an Oompa Loompa. And we've already seen that he has done two videos about the rise of the Antichrist. And how the Antichrist will defeat Britain, America, and the Catholic Church. So first, let's take a look at the opening scene from Gangnam Style, 
which is a prophecy about nuclear warfare. As one of my subscribers pointed out, the fat man and the little boy are the nicknames which were given to the first two atomic bombs dropped over Japan. Ah, wow. Now, this is not accidental. Gangnam Style is a prophecy of the downfall of Britain and America in World War III. Aha, uh -huh. I hope America's paying attention. Now, in Sai's next mega-hit music video called Gentlemen, he describes how the Antichrist will destroy the Catholic Church. Now, this traffic cone, which you see Sai kick over, represents authority, especially the... Really? So maybe that's the reason why he wore orange and looks like an Oompa Loompa, because in that video, Sai kicked over a traffic cone, which represented authority. <laughs> authority of the Catholic Church. But did you also hear the gunshot? Now when Sai points his finger at the camera and you hear the gunshot, the screen opens up into a black void which symbolizes the great tribulation which will fall upon the planet after the Antichrist takes over. Why does anybody take him seriously? Now in the very next scene from Gentlemen, we see Sai portraying the Antichrist very much as he is described in the book of Revelation. And that is as a leopard who walks like a bear and growls like a lion. Notice in this clip how Sai is standing on a black circle uh -huh. and a white circle, yeah. which symbolize the spots of a leopard. Right. He is... <laughs> really? Okay. Crouching like a bear. Yeah. And he is snarling like a lion. Right. Yeah, I'm going to be laughing like a hyena in a minute. Believe me, none of these things are accidental. Sai is indeed depicting the Antichrist in all of these videos. You do say. So that brings us up to Sai's newest video posted on his official YouTube site, Dream of Goose, which I believe is a very important prophecy of the reign of the Antichrist and how his life will end. Notice I did not say how he will die, because according to Bible prophecy, he is cast alive into the lake of fire. And Sai is also shown in a very spectacular fashion flying over the crowd in this arena. And I want to give you an ex Yeah, that's footage of a concert that he was giving. Extended clip of this because it really is quite fascinating. Is Sai telling us in this spectacular flying scene from his concert in Seoul, South Korea? that the Antichrist will try to imitate Lucifer, as described in Isaiah. I will... Maybe he was just trying to put on a good show and engage in spectacle. Ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Now let's look at some of the very interesting lyrics to this song, Dream of Goose, which could also be applied to prophecies of the Antichrist from Scripture. 
One day I will jump over the wall. And of course, the lyrics tell of a goose gaining its freedom. That's why Sai is flying over the crowd. But it could also be applied to the Antichrist. How? Notice how the fans adore Sai. Yeah. In much the same way as the entire population of the world will adore the Antichrist. Maybe they were just enjoying the show. Even this burdensome world can't tie me up. The Bible says that there is a restraining force on the Antichrist. Yeah. And this video is prophesying that the Antichrist will break through this restraining force and he will rule the planet. Yeah, and do you do you think Sai was aware of all of the prophetic eschatological significance of these things, or was he just being used by um, God to help us understand these end times prophecies and things like that? <clears throat> yeah, I think I've had about enough. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. And follow me on Twitter. My name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. Well, we've we've got some more looniness to take a look at. Don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Living a life of purpose can't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Python's Flying Circus Church. You're listening to the Emergence Sports Network here on Pirate Christian Radio. You've tuned in just in time to catch today's Emergence Ball match between the Pomo Bombers and the Majestic Mystics. Today's match is proudly brought to you by Rex Quando's Bible Pants. There's the buzzer, and they're off. McLaren dribbles a pigskin down to first base, takes out his putter, and... Whoa! Jones checks McLaren against the boards, and then passes to Paget in left field. But wait! Bulls Weber is charging from the 10-yard line, and she slam dunks from the foul line! That's a birdie! The crowd is going wild! When was the last time you saw something like that? I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Okay, play is resuming. There's Rollins. He serves to Bell. Bell snatches the snitch. And then Hail Mary passes to McLaren. McLaren is in the end zone. Oh, and he slaps it back to third base. Tickle grabs her wicket and then punts one out into center court. It looks like Jones and Padgett are double-teaming Bowles Weber. He doesn't have a shot, so she slices one off into the rough. McLaren is there to make the safety, but Padgett grabs McLaren's face mask and then throws down to second base. What a brilliant save that was. 
Jones takes out his driver, then sends one out to midfield. Tickle headbutts the ball and then sends it back to McLaren. He vaults over the pummel horse. Oh, and he sticks the landing! Unfortunately, the degree of difficulty wasn't that high, but McLaren racked up seven brownie points. Tickle sets up for the kickoff. But wait, Jones is trying to steal third base. Tickle slap shots the ball back to Bulls Weber, but Jones is safe! He's safe! That means it's going to be third down with 44 meters to the pin. Looks like this match is going to go into sudden death. Have you purchased your airline tickets for your summer getaway yet? If not, don't pay more for your airfare, hotel room, or rental car than you need to. Long-time Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheapo Air is your one-stop shop for all of your travel needs. And we've got a special promo code for you to use at Cheapo Air to save an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. So visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, then click on the web banner and book your travel today. And remember, a portion of your purchase will go to support Pirate Christian Radio. That website address, again, is piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, and thank you for your support. Cowabunga. Hello, I'm Brandon House of WorldViewRadio.com. WorldViewRadio.com is the world's premier biblical worldview online radio network. And now you can take it with you on the go with our free app that you can download free of charge at WorldViewWeekend.com forward slash APP. That's WorldViewWeekend.com forward slash APP. And you'll hear the daily and weekly radio programs by people like T.A. McMahon of The Brian Call, Chris Rosebro of Fighting for the Faith, Usama Dakdok and The Truth About Islam, Noise of Thunder with Chris Pinto, Justin Peters and the Justin Peters Program, Crosstalk, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and Prophecy Today, Jesse Johnson with the Bible Teaching Program of Emmanuel, Dr. John Whitcomb, and Mike Gendron of Proclaiming the Gospel Radio, as well as Carl Tycrib with Forcing Change Radio. All of these biblically-based radio programs are available free of charge at worldviewradio.com and through our free app at worldviewweekend.com forward slash app. Biblical Worldview Radio that you can take with you on the go. All right, we're back. Uh, Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith can give you a brain ache, especially after listening to William Tapley. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, 
fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you are signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. It's a great way to support us. Of course, if you'd like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you do so by clicking on the donate button or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send that to Post Office Box 508 Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we're doing without it. Moving along. So um, this next video is entitled Time Bombs Number 4. And I don't know what to make of it. You think William Tapley sounded a little off. Well, you're about to hear Retta McPherson, she's from South Africa, uh, waxing eloquent about, I yeah, don't know what. Uh, in fact, rather than try to describe it, here's Retta McPherson. Here we go. The day that the Lord has made, and we want to rejoice and be glad in it every day of our life. The walk that we all walk is a walk by faith. I just want to read to you before we go to the time bombs. I want you to never... The time bombs. ...ever be afraid. Never, ever. It doesn't matter if we talk about what stuff. The, in the spirit and how we taste it in the flesh, we never need to be worried. Because great is he that's in us, and God always show us how. One of all these letters I'm reading from Kingdom Principles. You see, the kingdom of God is framed by faith. So in, in the kingdom of the world, in Satan's kingdom, the darkness, it's framed with curses. It's framed with fear. It's f- uh-huh. <clears throat> what Bible verse says the kingdom of darkness is framed with curses? Framed with anger, whatever. But God's kingdom is framed with faith. You see, no one will be able to take your faith in God away from you. You will see that the kingdom of God will become alive to you once you are anchored in faith. Faith will never give up because Yeshua's kingdom is inside my heart. So we're going to talk about the devices on the timeline, the bombs that are on the timeline, the knots that are on the timeline, and how to get it loose. So... Before we go there, I just want the bombs that are on the timeline and how to get them loose. What to say to people, we do this by faith. We do this inspired by Holy Spirit and through the blood of the lamb. It's the truth, the word that brings um, understanding. And the moment we understand a thing, it's by faith. It's like Aldous says, the kingdom is in your heart. If there's faith in your heart and you anchor this thing, the wind can come, but it's done by faith. You know, when we found out after four years, every December in ICU, um, when we just realized, one day I sat with him and he says, don't you see the time curse? When I see the time curse. She's where is the Bible talking about time curses like time bombs? what he said you know he speaks very slow and difficult but he says this is a time curse when i realized that just by faith vera it was nothing fancy it was by faith i said in the name of jesus christ i repent of what was done in this day age in this day father of this curse that's over and over been done and now i carried in my bloodline and by faith i take you carried in your bloodline a time curse uh-huh. 
the sword and I cut it off us in the name of Jesus. We sever it and we clean it. Whatever happens there, I repent of it. And this is my revelation and it worked. Ah, it's your revelation and it works. Okay, yeah. It worked. And here Vera comes and God gave her revelation too. All right, Vera is her co-host on this um, television program. Do you get any of what any of this says? I mean, I've never read any of this in the Bible. I know this is from God because it works. I mean, it's very effective. Yes, it is. So tell us Mm. how to... Mm-hmm. What how to deal with the devices mm-hmm. and what is a device? Mm-hmm. It's typical those things that it's like a technology, spiritual technology. Uh, the spiritual technology devices that could be on your timeline because of the generational thing that could blow up, and then you gotta, you know, cut them off. You know, it's like an episode of Mission Impossible. Why do I feel like there's a gratuitous fighting for the faith musical interlude coming on? Is there a spiritual technology? Time bombs on your spiritual timeline, ready to explode. Well, you got to get in there and, through revelation, cut them off. Because the last thing you want to have happen to you is for a, one of those time bombs in your timeline from your bloodline going in and just messing things up for you. And I recommend if you're going to be dismantling or disarming any of this spiritual technology time bomb thing on your timeline, make sure you do it while wearing Ray-Ban sunglasses. I mean, because what's the whole point of, like, dismantling a, you know, a spiritual technological time bomb if you can't do it while looking cool? And, you know... and. When you're doing it, snap your head, too. You know, do that snap thing and, you know, really look like, whoa, dude. All right, enough of that. Back to this bizarre teaching from Retta McPherson. It looks like 007 devices. Yes. Spiritual. But there will be a manifestation. If there's a device on a time, there will be a manifestation. So first people have to look at the manifestation to realize there's a device. Yes, and they're all time-related, meaning they look like watches or sundials. or You can see these things, and they look like watches or sundials. Uh Uh-huh. Things like that. Sometimes they're very ancient looking, depending from how far back they come. So, and they all um, run on time. So they all have a different tick, 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 um, depending on what they set. Just like a bomb in the natural, you know, it's got a certain time where it will go off. So it uh, can be seasonal, can be cycling, a cycle. Um, yes. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Where is this in the Bible again? <laughs> okay, so um, sometimes every seven years you lose everything, or every every um, June, you know, is a bad a month for you because you feel like you want to get a divorce, or you want. What happens during the leap year? Kill yourself. It it's, can be like that as well. I just want to say a practical one. Mm. A man came to me and says, every. Um, well, Tina's also, mm. when I was telling Tina's the story, he says, well, I had it and mm. I had to break it. Mm. Tina's business is, is um, 
blooming in yes. summer. Yes. Winter times, it's slower. Yes. And then he used to say, winter times, we, we are not busy. Mm. Yes. And then he realized that he was speaking that curse over him. Oh, no, he spoke a curse by saying that business slows down in the winter. Oh, that poor guy. I mean, he was creating a time bomb curse. <laughs> yes. And he reinforced that time curse. And he mm. did break that curse. And today, he don't know if it's winter or summer. Yes, amen. Amen. Very effective. Yeah. So um, I just want to also give you a practical example. A lady came to me. Um, she's... Uh, owns a hairdressing saloon and three of her girls died in a in a car accident okay and i shared this with her and some other details you know more in detail and the next day she said you know I fully cross what she said because it was the 19th when they died and today's the 19th and two of my other girls were also in the accident so uh it can be so varied. It can be. It can have a huge effect upon your life. Even sicknesses, illnesses can come forth. At certain times, I get um, injured. You know, yes. just before breakthrough, I get injured. Yes. Things like that. Many times. Yes. So uh, remember now, the devil, the the enemy, got a legal right to plant the devices because of the sin and iniquity and the, the, the transgression that has caused him to be enabled to place the device upon yes. that time. So. What the Lord showed me in my life, I do not know. You can ask him. It does not have to be the same for you. He said to me, I must clean 365 days. That means it's a whole year from the moment that he showed me this thing. First of all, he said to me, because I dealt with the self-rejection and all these illegitimate issues, he could establish my times. Now, that's a verse in the word of God, Isaiah. Really, the Lord showed you this? 33 with 6 or Jeremiah 33 with 6 um, that says you will establish your times and what I yes. felt was the moment that I asked him God I ask your forgiveness for rejecting this timeline and I embrace it I did a prophetic action I just took a pillow and I said this represents my life my timeline all of my time in this realm and I embrace it today Father it is a joy unto me every day you've made and therefore I will rejoice in it and be glad in it what happens is I felt in my spirit the establishment Yes. And he showed me instantly in the spirit that my, I had a, a birth certificate in the spirit that was blank. You had a blank birth certificate in the spirit. Are you related to Barack Obama? And he filled in the exact moment, minute, second that he wanted me in time, which means there was a realignment. Yeah. And instantly, there was a lot of stuff in my life physically that happened that showed me that it was realigned. It is really very effective. So, every- yeah, it has to be true because it's really effective. Yeah, that that proves it's true. Every day of my life, I will bring the time before God. Today is the first of August. I will say, Father, I come into your courts because I'm, it's a legal action, so it's dealt with in a legal place. And I present to you today all the sin, the iniquity, and the transgression of my, myself and my forefathers. And I, Why do you have to go through this entire elaborate ritual to apparently get rid of the sins of your own sins and the sins of your forefathers? Isn't Christ shed blood on the cross enough to do that when you come to faith and trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins? You today, Father, you will forgive us for the blood spill, yes. the bloodshed, all of the 
prominent sins that there was not atonement for. Yes, every sexual immorality for our pride, our rebellion, the hardness of our hearts, for our lies and our thievery. And faithfulness. Yes, our idolatry, which is a major thing. Now you can think what sits underneath all of these topics, you know, is our weak... Yeah, all those time bombs. Craft, our occult. Yes, our slander, our gossip, all these things. So I bring it before God with all of my being. I do not just think of... Not just some of it, all of it, okay. Oh, what, what did she say? What must I pray? Oh, yeah, forgive me for this. I really engage my whole being with what... Otherwise, apparently disarming the uh, time bombs doesn't work unless you engage your whole being. Cause Christ's death on that cross in this day that me and my forefathers have done. And as I do this, I ask the Lord to break and annul the covenants and yes. the agreements. All uh, uh, So we've got time bombs that have to be dismantled, uh, uh, former covenants and agreements and... All this legal mumbo-jumbo, apparently. The, the um, contracts and the alliances, every vow and pledge and alliance took place. Every tie that formed between my blood and the kingdom of darkness. I ask God's forgiveness for it. This sounds like a complete shot in the dark. Um, how do you, again, since the Bible doesn't teach us, how did you come by this teaching? Ask him to acknowledge, and then I break every curse. I break. Yeah, good on you. I think the hexes, the vexes, the spells, the jinxes, the incantations. And yet, what you're doing sounds a lot like one of those. Dance, the dancing, the drumming, every form of witchcraft, divination, sorcery, and prognostication that was done in this time by me and my forefathers, and I cancel. Prognostications, got it? I render powerless. I ask the Lord to reverse every ritual that was done in this time because. You do not know if your forefathers were druids or if they were part of secret societies or part of Satanism. You do not. Yeah, so you better figure all this all out, apparently. Don't you think that the the one thing that we are all cursed by is the thing that really matters? That every one of us is born dead in trespasses and sins and iniquities as a result of what our father Adam did? Yeah, and Christ is the new Adam, and he fixes all of that by his vicarious penal substitutionary death on the cross. All of this stuff is complete speculation and utter nonsense, and none of it, none of it is taught anywhere in the scriptures. It's, it's just absolutely bizarre to me that there are people who believe that this is what Christianity teaches because there are no texts that say anything of the sort. Moving along. No kissing, don't want no gal to call me honey. Don't want my name in the hall of fame. Just want a big fat pile of money. That's right, it's time for money grabbing televangelist update. Give me holler, give me buckets full of ducats. Let me walk around and waller in Mazuma. Elder Nero, wanna be a millionaire? Give me money, 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 money. I want that green ammunition, that's the stuff for which I'm wishing. Fill my closets with deposits, I'm a demon in addition. Give me shackles, give me pesos, let me see their smiling faces. Money, 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 money. Wanna get me a suit that's made out of loot. And whistle the word and green. I got that monetary itis like speeches like King Midas. Want that golden touch is what I mean. Give me that old double eagle. Want that tender that is legal and financially substantially. Any sum I can and beagle. Want a living regal splendor for that loving legal tender. Money, 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 money. 
tie collector, I'm a paper bill inspector, I'm a savage for that cabbage man, to me is golden nectar, pour that filthy lucre on me, spread those loving germs upon me, money, 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 and if they ever plant trees of enormous you know, I want to be the guy that they send out to Brunham, oh give me my Yeah, that's uh, Dr. Teeth from The Muppet Show and his uh, rendition of Money, Money, Money. Now, we're going to be listening to a segment from uh, Cindy Trim's uh, television program entitled Declare Your Home and Business Blessed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have no idea w- what any of this is, but let's take a look and see if what we're hearing is actually biblical. So far, we've kind of swung and missed on all of that today. Um, well, <laughs> whatever... William Tapley was talking about, no, that's not taught in Scripture. Whatever Retta McPherson and her sidekick were talking about time bombs in the spiritual technologies realm that could blow up and you have to break them and dismantle them. Yeah, I ain't taught in Bible either. How much you want to bet what Cindy Trim is going to be teaching here isn't taught in the Scriptures either. Just saying, let's, let's check in with Cindy Trim. Here we go on Declare Your Home and Business Blessed. Welcome to today's program. I'm Dr. Cindy Trim, and today we're going to discover how to release the blessing of God into your home and business. Mm, yeah. Is this like Febreze? You know, you go out and buy a bottle of Febreze, and then, you know, you spritz it around, and then it releases the aroma into your home and business. Yeah. If there was anywhere we want God to be present and active, it should be in our homes and in our business. The- oh, yeah. We should invite him in, So, because yeah, that's the place we want him. Uh-huh. These are the places where we spend most of our time right so we don't need him at the park and stuff like that we need him in our home or our business it doesn't really bother me if he's not over at the neighbor's house but it makes sure i want him in my home okay where we should be able to find peace and rest and where we should be able to feel safe we should be able to grow and be celebrated it should really be a haven of peace yeah wow how do i get that But you may be like so many other people I've counseled over the years Uh who seem to find anything but peace in their homes and in their businesses. Oh, yeah. You know, that's just terrible. So rather than getting rest and feeling at home, they go home and and it's not restful. Maybe, you know, the dog is misbehaving and the children are fighting and and the food is burning on the stove. Oh, that's terrible. So I... I need to declare something in order to bring the peace into my home or business. God, okay. One of the things I've discovered is that God actually designed these places to be more than just a pressure point in your life. Oh, well, that's great. I'm glad they're more than that. He designed them to be places where you can experience his presence, his promise, his provision, and his protection. Oh, oh, this is... So how much do I need to sentence? Sorry, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, this, I got to have this. How do I get it? As a parent or even as a single uh, individual or even as a caregiver or a teenager, whether it's in your business or a home, do you realize that you have the power and the authority to actually determine the atmosphere in which you live and work? No way. Now, do I have to do this uh, before or after I dismantle the time bombs from my timeline because you know, of the spiritual technology thing. 
I'm quite trying to figure out how those two work together. One of the things we're going to do today, we're going to give you the secret to transforming your home and your place of business into a dwelling place of God. Imagine waking up every single morning knowing that where you are living is the house of God. Imagine driving into your job on Monday or into your... You know what's weird? Because I got something a little bit better than that. You know, scriptures talk about the fact that Christians are actually indwelled by God, the Holy Spirit. Um, Paul talks about the fact that when we become Christians, that God sends his spirit as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance and that the spirit dwells within us. In other words, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that would mean, get this, anywhere I go, well, then wouldn't that mean that God, the Holy Spirit's there also? business on Monday, knowing that you were not headed into a viper's nest where there is just backbiting and all kinds of uh, politicking going on. But instead, can so there's a secret that I can apply to get rid of politicking at work even. Wow. And backbiting and stuff. Wow. That's impre- where does the Bible reveal the secret again? What, and if it's in the Bible and clear in, you know, like a clear text, wouldn't that make it not a secret? You imagine driving and going where God was? Listen, if I could just imagine, I can just imagine my life being more productive. Yeah, you're doing a lot of imagining here. I feel like you're selling me something. More meaningful. We are throwing a set of free Ginsu knives. I would actually feel alive. Do you not know that you can be the change that changes everything in your home and your business, even in your car? Wow. Oh, who knew? And guess what? We're going to discover how to do that, and we're going to do it together right here in the next few moments. So call your friends and family. I'll be right back. All right. Now, she goes to a commercial break after that and uh, then comes back and decides to wax eloquent regarding, you know, applying these secrets to being able to, you know, turn, I mean, even your workplace into a place where backbiting and backstabbing doesn't occur. Let's continue with this fine <clears throat> false teaching that we're hearing from Cindy Trim. He's running from a very hostile environment. In fact, that environment was his home. He's running from his brother. His brother is just mad with him. And his brother is saying, when I finally get to that boy, I'm going to kill him. His house is divided. His father prefers his uh, twin and his mother prefers him. So you can imagine the type of environment that he lived in. Jacob is running now. He, of course, has the blessing of his father. And he comes to this place called Luz when he gets there. So she's telling the story of Jacob, apparently. Um, hmm, okay. I had no idea the story of Jacob was all about finding the secrets to having peace in your home. He's exhausted. So the Bible says that he sets up this stone as his pillow. And there he sleeps. The heavens begin to open in his dream. And he sees angels ascending and descending. And he sees these most amazing things. And in the dream, God is actually speaking to him. And he awakens. And he said, if I only could have understood the atmosphere that was in this place. And then he called the place. He changed the name of the place from Luz to Bethel. Bethel simply means the house of God. When he recognized that this was the place that God dwelt, he began to acknowledge God, acknowledge that he was in a 
place that God actually inhabit. Do you realize that you have the power through the spoken word to change the environment that you live in so that... Oh, more word of faith heresy. So I can change the environment I live in by my spoken words. Uh, Why do I feel like I'm going to get some out of context verses that don't say what you're saying? That place can become your Beth Al. The Bible said that he took the pillow, which was uh, actually a stone, and he anointed that pillow. And then he built an altar or he built a monument to God right there. That means that there was actually a place where God was acknowledged. And that was the place that became a permanent zip code for God. Ah, So do I need to go out and grab a rock and some oil and then you'll bring it into my house and anoint it so that I can make my house God's zip code? It just makes you wonder. This didn't just start with Jacob. Obviously, the atmosphere had been established way before. Yeah, nowhere in, the, in Genesis is to talk about atmospheres being established. Before he got there. So if you just go a couple of chapters back, you will find out that his grandfather had an experience with God in Bethel. Now, when it comes to the word Bethel, Bethel, Bethel. Al, Al is God, Beth is house. You have to understand that wherever God is, is a place that will not only generate within you a sense of well-being, but that particular zip code can be a place of provision. It can be a place of purpose. Yeah, um, Genesis doesn't say any of this. You're just making this stuff up. It can be a place where you expand your dreams so that you... It can be a place where, like, unicorns show up and and fuzzy little care bears, you know, hit me with their rainbow love. Can I make it like that, too? Wake up from your dreams, and your dreams become a reality. Now, when it comes to Bethel, I told you that this death did not start with Jacob. It started with his grandfather. Let's fast track this a little bit into the second book of Kings. You will find out in the second book of Kings, in the second chapter, that in fact, not only was that zip code blessed, the entire city was blessed. We read how in second Kings, Elijah and Elisha is traveling and they mention several places like Jericho and Bethel but let's just focus on Bethel for the moment when they got to yeah you do that to Bethel we discovered that Elijah had actually built the school of the prophet on that exact zip code that means that God was not only blessing them they were able to hear from God not only for their own lives their own purpose but for the entire city. Just imagine God blessing your home, but all of the other houses in your neighborhood doesn't increase in value. It's going to cause your home to be diminished in value. Can you imagine if every house on your street increased in its value, your house will increase in value too? Can you imagine the... Yeah, this again sounds like the prosperity heresy. Yeah, just because... 
there was a school of the prophets in the city of Bethel doesn't mean that that means that God's going to cause the property values in and around my house to go up so that he can bless me because God's made a zip. Wouldn't I mean, seriously, does that, I mean, does this really mean that I need to go get a rock and anoint it with oil so that God can set up a zip code in my house? Equity that will be locked in your home, not just for you to benefit from, but future generations, your children. Um, she's totally playing on people's materialism. Children's children. Many of us grew up in the 60s and the 50s, and we know what it's like to struggle. Can you imagine your children? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah, all this is is stuff coming out of, well, Cindy Trim's imagination. But none of this is taught in Scripture. This is just rank heresy feeding off of people's needs and their desires and their materialism in order to, well, grease your own palms with money. That's really what she's up to. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, sermon review. And I, it's kind of like a personal testimony kind of sermon, and it's not so good. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Have you purchased your airline tickets for your summer getaway yet? If not, don't pay more for your airfare, hotel room, or rental car than you need to. Long-time Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheapo Air is your one-stop shop for all of your travel needs. And we've got a special promo code for you to use at Cheapo Air to save an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. So visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, then click on the web banner and book your travel today. And remember, a portion of your purchase will go to support Pirate Christian Radio. That website address, again, is piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. And thank you for your support. Cowabunga. Oh, hey, I didn't hear you come in. What was I just doing, you might ask? Well, I just conquered the outer rim planet of Pico Pond with my trusty double-barreled nuclear plasma cannon. Well, I just did in this video game. 
But how is it possible for someone like myself to play 13 hours straight and not get a headache? It's quite simple, really. It's because I wear gunners. When I'm rocking these babies, I'm unstoppable. They're not limited to just games, mind you. Oh, no. I rock the spreadsheet, the PowerPoint, the word processor, and when that's all done, I hop my T-16 and fry me some toasters. If you want to get in on the action, then head over to piratechristianradio.com forward slash gunners. You gotta see it to believe it. Okay, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith sermon review time. I I don't think I can warn you enough about this one. This is probably not like any sermon you've heard for a long time at Fighting for the Faith. Let's do this right. Here we go. ugly we review it all here at fighting for the faith we're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service today's um sermon comes to us via city of life church kissimmee florida and there's not any one person presiding in over this particular sermon we're going to be hearing from several people from the sermon entitled soul fire slash pursuit and um this is um kind of personal testimony time. We're going to be hearing from Azia, Franco, and Kendra. I, um, it's probably best if I just kill the music and get right to it. And along the way, as we listen to this personal testimony sermon, we are going to, um, unfortunately, hear some really strange um, theology to go with it. Um, this is definitely does not qualify as preaching the word, but to the folks there at this City of Life Church, they think they're hearing from God. Um, you'll see why in just a second. So assume the crash position. Don your tinfoil pyramid hat. Um, here we go. Here's Soul Fire Pursuit. Here we go. First preacher. Uh, she preached on the first morning of our trip about pursuing God in your passions, about the things that God has planted in your heart, how to pursue him with those. And uh, you're going to be really blessed to hear her word. She's an amazing part of our church. I'm going to say this about her, and it applies to all of the students you're going to see on this stage today. They are so planted here. They serve passionately. She, in particular, serves on our tech team. She performs on our dance team, Reckless Movement. If you were uh, at Zoe Night, ladies, you got to see her perform. <laughs> the name of the church dance team is Reckless Movement? Form. She's an amazing dancer with an even greater heart for this house, as do all our students today. So I want you to help me welcome our first student preacher, Kendra Sheldon, to the stage. All right, here's Kendra, personal testimony sermon. What's up, City of Life? Woo! These shoes are killing me. <laughs> Third service. Okay, I'm awake now. Um, okay, 
Well, as Pastor Justin said, you guys usually see me on the stage performing or you see me doing cameras or in the crow's nest or something. <laughs> Pardon my voice, guys. I was at Soulfire. Um, so kind of to show you guys how to pursue God through your passion, I'm going to tell you a little testimony about myself. So a couple weeks or months ago, I think, we had the Zoe night. How many of you guys went to that? Yeah. Okay. Zoe ladies. Okay. Um, but so a couple weeks before the Zoe night, pastor Amy had texted me asking me to do a dance or a performance for the Zoe night. So I was like, yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah. Okay. And so what I usually do with my performances is I have like a little calendar and I'll give myself performance dates and times to make sure that I have time to not only practice my dance, but make sure that I bathe my dance in the Holy Spirit. Because I don't want to just come in here and do a dance for you guys. You bathe your dance in the Holy Spirit. Really? How, how do you do that? Guys, and you guys not receive anything from it, you know? Come on. So I was practicing and all, and then I got backstage finally, and I'm all hype, and I'm like backstage stretching my legs, and I'm like praising because it was worship time. Um, and so then Mickey Arroyo comes to pray for me, and she's not there, but I pointed to her last service. Um, but she came to pray for me, and I'm getting ready to go on stage. And every time before I go on stage, something that I say is I say, God, let it not be me, but let it be you moving through me. Whoa, come on, come on, come on. Uh, okay. So... Pastor Amanda introduced me, and I laid down to do my dance, and literally, as I'm laying down on the floor, I take a deep breath in, and right when I exhale, every single thought in my brain completely erased. (laughs) And I was, like, so nervous. I'm like, oh, great. So now I don't remember my name. I don't remember the dance. I don't remember anything. What am I going to do? So I'm on stage, and I'm, like, walking around, and I'm like, okay, God, this is, like, you're really going to have to step up right now because I'm going to be doing the chicken dance and Gundam style on stage, and that's not going to be cute. So, <laughs> sorry, um, I do a lot of high-pitched screams. I'm sorry. Um, that will become annoying uh, the more often she does that. I don't know what this is, but she thinks she's hearing from God, the Holy Spirit, and she's not. And now she's preaching and people are clapping and saying amen and encouraging her in these direct revelations she's supposedly getting. So I'm on stage and literally right then and there, the Holy Spirit tells me, he says, Kendra, listen to my voice. Every move that you're about to do is not going to be based off of what you've rehearsed, what you've what you've planned your teenage life for because I've trained ever since I was like six years old to be a dancer and I've I've trained to have good technique I've trained to have good stage presence and God just told me right then and there just listen to what I'm saying so then every move that I did was developed from what the Holy Spirit told me and literally at the end of the dance I'm standing there I don't know if you guys remember but I'm standing there I'm like this and I'm like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I cried my eyes outside mascara all down my cheek. I'm like, God, why did you do that? Why did you take every single thought out of my brain, God? Why did you, why did you, why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why? And then have her preach. Wait, that wasn't God telling, <laughs> sorry. And 
then God just told me, he said, Kendra, do you think that the revival is going to come through you or through me? Um, I don't think she's really hearing from God. Whoa. Whoa. Come on. So I was like, okay, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Didn't realize that. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> Oh, sorry, I did it again. Oops, I did it again. Just kidding. Um, yeah, this is a sermon. Wow. This, wow. Ah, uh, okay. So then he told me that, and I was like, wow. So no matter how much stage presence I've worked for, no matter how much technique, I almost died, no matter how much technique I've worked for, no matter what I've trained my whole life to do, it's not based off of my stage presence, but off of his presence. Come on, Kendra. Come on. Okay. Okay, and another example that I can use is these worship leaders that come up every week for you guys. They come up here, and because of the fact that they're pursuing God through their talent you guys get the harvest because of the fact that they're after God's heart on stage. You guys get to receive the blessing of freedom and liberty. And considering the fact I haven't heard anything that's even remotely approaching sound biblical doctrine or theology, or that shows me that you even understand even the basic rudimentary beliefs and teachings of the Christian faith. Yeah. I don't think I'm being blessed by God by you when you're dancing bathed or dripping in the holy spirit or whatever you said you get to stand in his presence and just be like wow god show me something show me something because of the fact that they're pursuing god through their passion yeah okay and something i want to say before i list these three points is you're not too old or too young to pursue god yes come on kendra your passion was given to you what am i pursuing him for again for a reason if your passion if your passion is god wouldn't give you your passion without a purpose for it yeah if he if he had Uh, okay what biblical text are you teaching from kendra had a purpose for your if he didn't have a purpose for your passion he would have given it to someone else okay so here are my three points what do i do with my passion There can be good passions or bad passions, but once you give your passion to God, there's not one way it can't come back better. True. Uh, How is that true again? What biblical text says this? So that means that if you're in construction and you give that passion to God, it's going to come back better. That means that if you dance and you're giving it to God, it's going to come back better. That means that if you've trained your whole life to sing... When you give it to God, it's going to come back 10 times better than when you trained your whole life for it. So if I give my, um, well, what, what, if I give my radio, uh, voice to God, that it'll come back 10 times better. And I can pursue my passion of exposing false doctrine in the church even 10 times better. Right. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) Okay. Why do I give my passion to God? When God has your passion, not only does it become something that produces a revival in others. Um, where does it say that my passions produce revival in others in the Bible? But it also becomes a tool for you to get closer to God's heart. Whoa. Wow. So your passion becomes an open doorway for you to get into God's kingdom and pursue his heart. Yes. Come on. You get that? Yes. Woo! Okay. <laughs> 
How do I give my passion to God? Listen. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know where the Bible even says this. Listen to what the Holy Spirit's telling you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not hearing anything. When I was on that stage, if I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit and I went and did some Gondam style, guess what, guys? There wouldn't have been a revival in this room. You guys would have probably walked out because I would have been like this on stage during a really sentimental song. Anyways, um, something that I want to end with is Ephesians 2.10. It's uh, Finally, a, a Bible verse, but 2.10? That's the end of something that Paul is saying. Let's take a look at it in context. We'll apply our three rules of sound biblical exegesis ephesians 2 10 isn't about giving your passions to god and we're going to read it from a good translation the esv we'll start at like verse 8 for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of god not the result of works, so that no one may boast for we are his god's workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're saved by grace through faith, and we're saved, um, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. There you go. So what's a good work? Well, the Bible tells you what a good work is. Being a good husband, a good mother, a good father, a uh, good wife, a, a respectful son or daughter, a good employee. These are, these are the good works. You know, you know, that's what, so that's what we're created to do says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Oh, uh, boy. So you missed the whole saved by grace through faith part, huh? And you just become God's masterpiece and find your purpose and do that. Well, that's demonic. Uh, yes. The only way you can become a masterpiece is if you are the master's piece. Come on. What? Oh, boy, that's tweetable nonsense. (laughs) When you become something that the Holy Spirit can use, when you are pliable, when you are a tool, and you say, God, I don't have much, but this is is all I have, and I'm giving it to you. Once you say that, God says, you know what? You may only have two fish and a piece of bread, but I'm going to make a masterpiece out of your life. Come on. Okay. And now... Man, this is utterly tragic. This poor girl has no clue at all what the Bible actually teaches. But before I leave the stage, I really just want to give honor to our founding pastors, our senior pastors, and our youth pastors, because without them, I wouldn't be able to go on stage and pursue God with my passion, and I wouldn't have been able to go to Soul Fire. I wouldn't be able to be on Reckless Movement. So let's just give it up for our senior founder and youth pastors. Come on. She is 16, y'all. Yeah, and as a 16-year-old Christian young girl, she should have a far better grasp of what Scripture teaches. Whoever the past her pastor is probably should be sued for spiritual malpractice. 
I thank God for the wisdom there. And I pray that you don't just say, oh, wow, that was great. I pray you take hold of that for your life. Whatever God's planted in you, you can give it back to him and he's, it's going to come back better. Um, I've, I've asked this next student to share a little testimony of his from soul fire because I just, he was telling it to me and I was like, stop, this is too good. Like you've got to share it with some people because I believe it's going to bless your life. It's going to encourage your life. And you're going to see a little snapshot of what goes on on the way to soul fire. So this, this young man, I completely feel like family with this guy, uh, grown up here. You, you know him if you've been here for any amount of time, he's near and dear to all of our hearts. Help me welcome Tyler Smith to the stage. All right. More testimony time. This one from Tyler. Hey guys. Okay. So I got like three minutes and I have a title for my thing. I don't know why, but here we go. God's plan for your life is my title. And, um, real quick, let me give honor to some people. Um, my brother's not here, but my brother and sister-in-law, the, um, senior pastors, pastors, Jeff and Amy, I have to do my mom and dad, pastors, Gary and Jenna Smith, and then pastors, Justin and my youth pastors. And, uh, real quick, can my mom stand up? And my girlfriend, can you stand up? Perfect. Now, these two women right here are some of the most spiritual women I've ever met in my life. And dang, are they good looking. Now you can sit down. Okay. So Psalms 37, 23. That's how I'm going to start off. All right. So he's going to give us a verse. Psalm 37, 23. Can't wait. Perfect. Okay. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Okay. Now, God has a plan for your life, yes. whether you know it or not. Yes. It doesn't matter whether you think you're useful in God's kingdom, whether you're older, you're younger, you have, God has a plan for you no matter where you are in life. Yes. So you're going to give us a half verse and then use that to basically say God has a plan for my life. Let's take a look at Psalm chapter 37 and let's put it back in context and see if we can figure out what's going on in the psalm. If this is the great... God has a purpose for your life psalm. Here's what it says. Verse 30, uh, chapter 37, uh, verse 1. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, nor be envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the herb, uh, green herb. Trust in the Lord and do, and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and you and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek, they shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and the needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is a little while that the righteous has than the abundance of the many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the day of the blameless, and the heritage will remain forever. Their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times, in the times of famine they have abundance, but the wicked will perish. 
The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastors. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, and those accursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever, for the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. Now, the psalm does go on for a little bit, but I read Psalm thirty-seven twenty-three in context. And as I was reading it, did you even note it? Probably not. Because nowhere does it say that God has a plan or a purpose for your life. The verse itself was this, and I'll read it in its full sentence because there's kind of a, there's two parts to it, including verse 24. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. It doesn't say your purpose. And when, when he delights in his way. So just because you're created by God doesn't mean that he's going to establish you. He establishes the one who delights in him, the one who has faith and trust in him. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. So this young man that we're listening to, who's giving this testimony here, has already ripped this verse out of context. And he's a young man. Where do you think he learned how to do this? Answer, from his seeker-driven pastor, who has never taught him to rightly handle God's word. I grew up in church. I'm a, I'm a pew baby. So there's good things and bad things about being a pew baby. The good thing is you get spiritual presence always in your life. And you're always growing up with spiritual um, stuff. You're really spiritual. You're baptized when you're two. Everything's great. But the bad things are you get numb to spiritual things. Like I've been to Soul Fire six or seven times. And when you've been that many times, it's kind of like, yay, I'm going to play games. It's not, yay, I'm going to... Praise Jesus, which isn't good. You don't want to do that. Don't do that. So I was going this year for to win because I'm competitive. And um, being competitive isn't a bad thing. It's actually biblical. So if you don't like that, that's your problem because it's a biblical. So I am ve- I'm very spiritual. Um, okay. Yeah, it, it really shows too. <clears throat> now, repeating something doesn't make it less true. So like... Two plus two is four. If I tell you that a thousand times, two plus two is still four. So thank God for our pastors when they tell you something over and over again because you guys are ignorant. You guys need to hear it another time because you guys aren't getting it. You guys need to hear it. Listen. <laughs> My gosh. God, okay, real quick. God puts things on pastors' hearts. So if a pastor preaches the same sermon again, obviously someone didn't get it in the room. So don't be complaining. He preached that last week. You're complaining to yourself because you're not getting something. Okay. Okay, that wasn't even notes. That wasn't notes. Okay. Oh, that yeah, hashtag real talk. Okay. Okay. So when you, when you, I love Zach Weaver. That's my, that's my bro. Okay. So when you give everything to God, God will always bless you spiritually. It doesn't matter if you're no faith at all. You can be a non-believer. If you give everything you have to God, whether you feel him or not, you're going to get blessed spiritually. He will increase your spiritual life. Okay. 
the enemy will tell you stuff like, why go to soul fire? You've been so many times before. What's the point in going another time to soul fire? That's when you need to go to soul fire. Because you're going to get your revival, your miracle, your blessing in your life right there. That's the time you're going to get it. You need to go that time. People say like, "Uh, honey, I I don't feel like going to church this week. Had a long day of work. That's the enemy right there. You need to stop saying that. You need to go to church that day. That's the day you're going to get your life changed, your blessing, your miracle, your spiritual life increase. Don't let the enemy... Your blessing, your miracle, your spiritual life increased. Yep, this man has no clue what the Bible teaches, does he? Convince you that you don't need to go. What, ha- what happens if... Okay, another thing. I got my calling on my life when I went to Soul Fire this year. What happens if I said, I don't need to go to Soul Fire this year. We're just going to be playing games. I don't need to do that. I can do that in my house. What happens if I said I don't need to go and I didn't get my calling for my life? And I didn't continue pursuing God with all my heart. What happens if I didn't become um, part of the church, I didn't continue doing what I need to do, and I ended up working at McDonald's with no spiritual life. That would suck. (laughs) Really suck. (laughs) So now you really are not a deep Christian if you work at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Serving your neighbor at a perfectly fine, legitimate business. That's, you're not spiritual if you're serving Big Macs and French fries for a living. It really would. (laughs) Okay. I can't tell you what you're going to be called in life to do. I can't tell you when you're going to be called. I can't tell you when you're, if you, okay, if you're 21 and you don't have your calling, it doesn't mean it's over. Maybe God's waiting to tell you your calling. I can't tell you when you're going to get it. Maybe you'll be 40. Maybe you'll be 60 and get your calling on your life. I don't know when you're going to get your calling on your life, but you're going to get it. Yeah. God has a calling for everybody. Yeah. Um, sorry. We need to keep our ears and our hearts open. When we, you know, when, when we go to services, when we go to stuff, because maybe that's when God's going to give you your calling. If you don't have your ears or your heart open, maybe you're texting in the service like you are right now. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I didn't see anybody. Um, <laughs> keep your ears or heart. You have to keep your ears or hearts open because that's when you're going to get your calling. I feel like my dad right now. Who preach on Brother Tyler. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Come on, give it up. Yeah, after hearing that, I want to give up. Well, at Soulfire, we have morning services, we have night services, but it's not all just services. In the daytime, uh, as Tyler said, we're all pretty competitive here at City of Life Church. We believe uh, and we are passionate about winning, and so we play. You know that Tyler kid sure did sound like the next, you know, part of the next crop of seeker-driven pastors that we should expect. Can't wait for him to get on stage and start preaching for a living. Play games. We split the whole group group up into teams like the Maroon Mafia, the Red Heat, the Aquamarines, the Mellow Yellow, the Purple. Pirates, I can't remember them all, but we split them all up into teams and they get pretty competitive, like really competitive. Like I will be disagreeing with a 12 year old as to whether or not the ball was in or out. And then I'm like, wait, you're 12. Like it just gets so intense. You would not believe how much these kids like to win. So we want to give you a little snapshot of what it's like during the day at Soulfire. But before we show you the little recap, I got to teach you something. Take your hand and put out your thumb, put out your pointer finger, and put out your pinky finger like this. This means I love you in sign language, and it is the official camp sign of Soulfire. We do this anytime we see people, anytime we see a camera. But since I love you can be a little, like, warm and fuzzy, uh, we try to make it look real hardcore. So we stick our tongue out like this. Ah! And that is our camp sign. So it looks real mean, but it just means I love you. So uh, check out our recap video of Soulfire 2013.
Okay, I have got to fast forward through that. We'll be picking up on the other side of whatever that is. So there's a little look at Soulfire. It's a lot of fun. So the second morning of Soulfire, our second student preacher took the pulpit, and this young man uh, just absolutely is a blessing to my life and to Neo and to this church. Um, this young man, he's just, he's, he's one of a kind, and everyone will tell you that. He, he, his life, he's going to tell his story, but I'm going to tell a little bit about it. He, he came to our church about two years ago, and to the natural eye and maybe to the super religious eye, two years ago, he would be called one of the bad ones by a lot of people. He would be called one of the bad ones. His life was in, in a lot of the wrong places. But don't ever underestimate what God can do if he gets a hold of someone's life. Because I have watched a transformation in this young life. Has he been brought to repentant faith and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of his sins? Like, like almost like none other. His, his understanding of God's grace, someone who was dead in sin, really understands what grace tastes like. His understanding of the profound love of God. His understanding of the word, he's got wisdom, he's got wit, and he's been mistaken for my younger brother, so I'm guessing he's got good looks. But uh, he's a great young man. He's going to come up to the stage right now. His name is Franco Cintron. Help me welcome him to the stage. See, just look, just look. See, I told you. Good morning, guys. How are you? I didn't, I didn't hear anybody. Good. What's up? Okay, guys, so... um. First of all, I want to give some honor to our founding pastors, our senior pastors, and to my youth pastors, their vision, what they have going on. It's just incredible, and it's the only reason that a guy like me can be up here speaking to people like you. So, first of all, I want you to get a good look at me. I am wearing a pink shirt. Yes, that is right. Get a good look at me. Look at me hard. Now, close your eyes and throw away any predisposed opinion that you have on me. God used a bush, God used a donkey, and I know that he can use a guy like me. Yes. Come on. So, you guys look great. You guys look incredible. I just want to let you know that I am 16 years old, but I'm speaking to 16 to 60 to 1 to 100. I don't care if you guys know me, if we're family, if we're friends. God is going to have a word. God is speaking through me. It's not me anymore. So, just catch on to that. Yeah. Last or two years ago, I came to Blink the Door 2, and it was an incredible experience. Only this church can pull off something like that, a move of an audacious move of God, so incredible, just reaching lives, and it, it, it got a hold of me. Yeah. Um, family introduced me to Neo, and I was hooked. By my first year of Soul Fire, I was speaking, and that's, that's just six months after God took me from a life of sin, a life of smoking, a life of drinking. God took me. And he allowed me to speak his word. And this year, I spoke on the struggle. Now, my struggle was calculus. But you guys, I understand that you guys are on a different level than me. And I'm going to try to level with you. But the greatest illustration of the struggle, the struggle biblically... <laughs> reset. The greatest illustration of the struggle biblically is Israel. Israel is God's people, God's chosen. He delivered them from slavery, delivered them from poverty, but they still struggled. That's something that we have to understand. As much, as holy as we get, as spiritual as we get, as close to, the, to God's presence, to God's own heart, we're still going to struggle. That's not encouraging, but it's true, and you have to hear it. Israel struggled. In this place, in Ezekiel 36, 8 through 12, they were at a place where they were in complete shambles, complete ruins. 
the, the surrounding nations had totally obliterated the people. They had been making a mockery of them. They were totally a joke. And that's somehow that sometimes our life becomes that. We had God's presence at one point, but now where are we? Where is God? We've become a joke in his, in other people's view of him, but he's still there. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So Israel is in the hashtag struggle. And this is what God says. But you mountains of Israel will burst with new growth, putting out branches and bearing fruit for my people, Israel. My people are coming home. Do you see? I'm back again. I'm on your side. You'll be plowed and planted as before. I'll see to it that your population grows all over Israel, that the towns fill up with people, that the ruins are rebuilt. I'll make this place teem with life, human and animal. The country will burst into life Life and more life. Your towns and villages full of people just as in the old days. I'll treat you better than I ever have. And you'll realize that I am God. I'll put people over you. My own people, Israel. They'll take care of you and you'll be their inheritance. Never again will you be a harsh and unforgiving land to them. We've got to. That's not me. I didn't write that. I'm feeble. I'm weird. I can't write that. That's God speaking directly at you. We've got to understand that amidst the struggle, it feels... What exactly was God saying again? Something about in, in the middle of struggle, I have something, huh? It's like God isn't there, but he is. Yeah. But God isn't going to speak during our struggle. He spoke to them right after it happened. They were in the rubble. Yeah. It was in the ruins where he said that I will give you life, life, and more life. It wasn't... They didn't... He didn't prevent it. He wants to see what you're going to do, what way you're going to react to that struggle. Are you going to stop or are you going to keep on going? Because if you keep on going, he's going to give you life, life, and more life. Yes. And that's a promise. Yes. Come on. So. Uh, yeah, what's the context in that passage again? Sounds like he was speaking specifically to Israel. All right. So I'm sure some Israelite was like, man, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm in struggle. Because in the same way... We feel that way. When we struggle, where is God? Where is God in our struggle? But we've got to understand that God's presence isn't gauged by how content we are, but rather how constant he is. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It doesn't matter how we feel. He is still there among us. Notice God didn't speak during the struggle, but among the ruins. Sometimes we think God is among us during the flourishing season, but we search for him amidst the struggle. When we're happy, God is there and we have the favor. But when, when something goes wrong, we don't have the favor and we're looking for God. Like, where are you? Where have you gone? But he's saying, I'm here. I'm right here. Look for me. Respond to me. And once you do life, life and more life, you will have more people than you ever had before. And it's a flourishing season. Understand that. Grasp that. Yeah, you're not rightly handling this text. None of it actually makes any biblical sense. So, in closing, I don't want to keep you guys here too long. He came with the message of life, life, and more life. Not poverty, poverty, and more poverty. Not divorce, divorce, and more divorce. Not death, death, and more death. The very God that spoke the universe into existence is speaking life upon his people, so receive it. Uh huh. Sounds like he's been learning something akin to the word of faith heresy. Thank you. Somebody receive that. Yeah, no, I'll block it. Thank you. Now, I get the feeling we're going to hear from the lead pastor, Jeffrey Smith, now. 
You can imagine my confusion when I ask a 16-year-old to preach and he comes back and says, Pastor, I want to use Ezekiel. And I was like, I haven't even read. Yeah, you can imagine my confusion after having him twist Ezekiel. And, you know, I'm thinking, like, that's not what Ezekiel really said at all. That Ezekiel. <laughs> but uh, thank God, thank God, thank God for what he's doing in young people. I'm like weeping down there. I said in first service, I said, I'm, I feel, I'm starting to understand what it feels like to be a dad. Well, wait, ma- wait a minute. I think I understand what it feels like to be a mom because I'm just crying all service. <laughs> they're, so, they're so beautiful. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, we're going to have another testimony right now from two brothers that. Ah, more, more testimony time. <sighs> uh, I am truly blessed to know these guys are so special. It, I, I, I mean that they know my heart. They know I respect them as individuals, but there's something so special about their brotherhood. Like, they're so good and so rare, uh, the, these type of people that you, you want to describe them as one of a kind, but then there's two of them. Like, that's what's so perplexing is their hearts are both so pure. They are amazing young men. They're going to tell their story to you a little bit of what God did for them in and how they got to Soul Fire. But these young men are amazing. They're planted in our church. They know how to serve here. They're here every week. And I want you to help me welcome Will and Zach. Weaver. More testimony time during the sermon portion. <sighs> Hello. How's everybody today? Hello there. Anyway, so my name's Will. My name's Zach. We're not British. We're yeah. fake. <laughs> We're in church. Excuse us, God. My goodness. Mm. Doctor Who fans, I think. I have a horse voice. Horse voice from Soulfire screaming for no good reason. What, football? I don't even play football and I'm screaming. It's absolutely crazy. But um, this year, like last year, me and my brother, we got sponsored to go to Soulfire. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And it happened about a week before Soulfire. Amen. And, um, before that, before we found out we got sponsored, I was just worrying. I had so much doubt. I had so much like, I was like, you know, it's not going to happen. It happened last year. It ain't happening this year. Come on. That's like the possibilities are very improbable. So I'm on an airplane and we're on an airplane to Washington. We're on vacation and I'm on an airplane and I'm sitting next to a pothead, not my brother, some pothead. This guy, he's sitting next to me and I'm like, I'm just sitting in my chair and I'm like, Okay, there's so many emotions, God. There's so many. And so I told, I, I gave it all to God. I gave everything, all my worry, all my doubt, everything that couldn't have happened. So we got off the plane, and my brother, he looks at me, and he goes like, we're going to Soul Fire. <laughs> Can somebody say Amen. In a matter of six, that was loud. In a matter of six hours, six to five hours, God worked a miracle because, because because the minute you leave it all up to God is the moment you find a miracle. Hmm. What passage of scripture says that? Yeah, I don't know any. You, God allowed me to go to soul fire so he could teach me a lesson. But for me, my soul fire didn't start when it was supposed to start. It started a week before because God lit my soul on fire because I was trusting him. Amen. Amen. Yeah, please. 
please clap for God. Thank you. So your soul caught fire a week early. So it was a premature burning. Okay. So God allowed me and my brother go to soul fire. And at soul fire, God really spoke to me and he, he told me my calling. And that's a big, he did really. Okay. Deal. That's a huge deal. You're, I'm I'm sure it is. Um, are you sure that was God? You're calling what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You find out when you're 15 years old. And I found out God told me while I was weeping, I was crying like a little baby. I'm sitting there. And I'm like, <laughs> he said, I'm going to be an evangelist and I'm going to be a prophet for God. And I'm going to speak across the world to people that need God's love, that need God's mercy. I get the feeling you're going to probably become a regular feature here at Fighting for the Faith once you get established into your <clears throat> calling. And I'm going to be his vessel. And that's that's just, that's a miracle. That's faith and that's trusting God. The best thing you could ever do is trust God. Amen. Amen. Right? There we go. So... My, so we got two people who've received their calling. You know, it's the special vision from God for what they're going to do for the rest of their lives from these testimonies. Oh, yeah. This is absolutely tragic. These kids have no clue what the Bible actually says and what Christianity really teaches. My soul fire experience, it just so far is amazing. Uh, <laughs> if If you've ever been to any church event, you will know that when... More than three people are gathered in one place. It is just like, yes. Um, so far it was amazing. Not because, not because it's in the middle of nowhere. Not that 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 makes it worse, if anything. And we got a couple stories about being in nowhere, uh, roughing it. But um, <laughs> oh my goodness, yes, yes. So far, people will remember that story forever. Um. Anyway, so it's not about being in the middle of nowhere because being in the middle of nowhere makes you feel like you're going nowhere or that this isn't the place that God's going to work. And so the thing that does make it uh, worth going to and something that does make it that changes your heart is this church's vision. This church's vision is to raise up young people like me and my brother, or any of... So it's not God's word. It's not the preaching of law and gospel, sin and grace, repentance and the forgiveness of sins. It's the church's, that specific church's unique vision. Right. ...of the people that are talking today. And to make it to where they want to serve God and chase after his heart. Mm. And And that is the vision that allows us to do that. And that's something that, I mean... What we've gone through, what me and my brother have gone through, with that, all of that, you can't do what what this is doing right now. This is all God. And our staff, there was there was something like 120 teenagers and less than 30 people, staff members, taking care of us for five days. Five days Come stuck in a cabin or... Just constantly around us, we're constantly being like, no, you're going to lose. No, you're going to lose. God bless you. But like, but seriously, like that happened for five days and you're not getting paid. 
you're paying to go, and then you're helping other teenagers. Now, the thing that makes it worth it is that they felt God tell them that those that were going to go there, they were supposed to serve so that they could see God at the end of the tunnel and push through the worst so that they could see our best. Amen. And that's the whole reason. It wasn't to smell smelly teenagers. It wasn't. It was oh. all God, all God. Three-minute showers, trust us, we were smelly. Anyway, so yeah, that's we, what made Soul Fire amazing. Every one of you guys sponsoring us to go to Soul Fire, serving, making every one of us teenagers just feel so welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Again, I mean, is there anything that these kids have said that would convince you they actually know what the message of the gospel is, what Christianity preaches and teaches, um, what it's really all about? No, there's a whole lot of, oh, we're hearing from God directly, but they know nothing about what God has actually directly said in his written word. And that is a huge problem. I, I really do, on, on behalf of so many students, want, want to thank this church and the generosity of this church. There's a lot of kids who and families who maybe can't afford a trip like that. It was five days, $230, and uh, there are a lot of people that couldn't afford it. Will and Zach are from a, a family, a single mom home, and we love single moms here. We, we believe that God is just going to bring such great blessing to their life and the faithfulness that their mom shows. She's here every week. She serves on the Dream Team. She's amazing. But it was. It was getting down to the week before, and I was like, God, you got to come through for these kids. Like, you got to do something. And I just appreciate that God speaks to a church and then people decide I'm going to be the answer to someone's prayer. Like you guys get it. You get it. We had people come up to the, to the desk and just write checks. And they said, you send some kids to soul fire. I don't know who they are. I don't know if they've been before or not, but you just send some kids with this money. Thank God for people like that guys. It's amazing. Thank you city of life for being so generous. I mean, we've got an evangelist and a, and a leader on our hands because of your generosity. Um, but I also do want to take a second and echo what Will was saying. Uh, Amanda and I talk about this all the time and we just cry. But our staff, the NEO staff, we call them staff, but they're, trust me, they're volunteers. Uh, they, they are a team of college students, young adults, 20-somethings who have just dedicated their life to your teenagers. And uh, they, they go above and beyond the call of duty. They took off a whole week of work and paid to go on this trip and chaperone a cabin with your kids in it. Okay, like, that's a big deal. And I just want to applaud them. Neo staff, we love you to death. Great, great job this week. Also a really fun group to be around. Greatest friends in my life are the Neo staff members, and they are incredible models for your students to model after. I mean, our band, our worship team, our dream team, it's all, it's all young adults who have said, you know what, I, I, God has done something in me, and I want to pour it out. And I just want to say, Will and Zach really understand that. Usually you'll find them on Sunday teaching your kids in City Kids. These young men get in there, and they realize, I might be young, but there's people younger than me that I can pour something into. They could have every reason in the world to be bitter, to be upset, to have a bad attitude, but you know what? You know, on Father's Day, they were telling me this yesterday. I almost cried. They were on Father's Day when they could throw this pity party and say, well, we're just a single mom family. This is a rough day for us. On Father's Day, they were in City Kids teaching your children about the fatherhood of God. And they, they said, how many of you maybe don't have a daddy in the picture? And all these hands went up and they stood up there and said, well, you know what? We want to tell you God is our daddy and he's your daddy too. He's going to take care of you. He's going to be there for you. We are blessed, guys. 
So our next student preacher, she took it on the last day of Soul Fire, the last morning, and she preached about pursuing God. So we had pursuing God in your passions, Kendra, pursuing God through the struggle, Franco, and then here the last day we heard about pursuing God in your faith and faithfulness, like pursuing him in that way. This young lady, young woman of God, has been raised here at City of Life. She's a current. She's going to be a senior this year at City of Life Christian Academy. She's got a story very similar to mine, and this woman, she's, she's tough and she's classy, and that's a deadly combination, man. Like, she's just got it together and uh she takes care of your children every sunday morning the four and five year olds and she teaches them and you're going to be blessed to hear the teacher that your kids get you're going to get to hear her today let's give it up for asia constance hey Um, First, I want to start off by honoring Pastor Gary and Pastor Janice, our founding pastors, Pastor Amy and Pastor Jeff, our senior pastors, and my youth pastor. That's right. You heard female names as pastors there. That should tell you something about what they understand about the Bible. Pastors, Pastor Justin and Pastor Amanda. Um, Like he said, I was basically raised in this church. I've been here since first grade. So those are some of the people that helped raise me, basically. So thank you, and I love you guys. (laughs) Um, I'm going to, like he said, I'm going to talk about faith and we can find the biblical definition of faith in Hebrews 11, one. It says now faith is now this is a girl who might know her Bible. I'm, I'm there may be hope yet for the youth. It's the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen on dictionary.com. It says faith is a noun. It says Faith is the belief in God or in the doctrines or teachings of religion. And one that stood out to me a little bit was belief that is not based on proof. How many of you guys know we have proof that Jesus is living? Jesus is here. We have the Bible. We have proof of our father, God, yet we have a problem with true faith. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I was raised in a single mother household as well. And coming from a one income family, you know, there's some times when you struggle with finances. Sometimes maybe the lights are off. Sometimes the rent's late. Sometimes you don't have three meals a day. Amen. (laughs) Sometimes like things just don't work out all the time. And through the, through the struggles and through the different things in life, who knows God's still there anyways. You know what I mean? You have to have faith that he's still there and that he's still with you through the storm. I can remember one Christmas in particular. Um, we were we didn't have a home at the time, so we were living in a hotel room. It was me and my two sisters and my mom living in a hotel room. And on that Christmas, I remember specifically about the only present that we got was from city of life from you guys from the prism angel tree so that just our our church is doing something in this community and we don't even realize it sometimes guys we're doing things and we're making a difference so you're making a difference yep sounds like you've been raised in a seeker driven church When we're struggling and when we're in tough times, that's not the time where we need to go in the corner and cry about it, guys. We need to stand up. We need to face our circumstances, and we need to pray about it because that's the only thing that's going to change it. Prayer, we sometimes overlook prayer. We look at it as a last resort when really it should be our first choice at all times. 
In the midst of the storm, if you guys go to City of Life, if you remember us here, you probably heard this before. But in the midst of a storm, we need to pray harder than we ever prayed before. We need to love harder than we ever loved before. We need to worship harder than we ever worshiped before. And we need to serve harder than we ever served before. When we're facing... When we're struggling and our, te- and our faith is being tested, that's not the time when we need to stay home and decide to take a break from church. That's not the time we stay home from church. That's not the time we stop serving. That's not the time we turn away from our church family. That's when we run to the church. We serve harder than we have ever done before, and we go harder in what we're doing. Okay. Look to your neighbor and say, don't test in the... Sadly, it sounds like she was raised on a bunch of spiritual slogans that she can spout off. I wonder if she can actually rattle off any biblical passages that she's memorized. Wait. (laughs) Don't rest in the test. There you go. Don't rest in the test. Like I said, don't rest in the test. It's not the time to take a break when your faith is being tested. One example in my life that I have is, like you said, um, I love your kids. I'm with the four and five-year-olds basically every single Sunday, and I love them. My kids are your kids. Your kids are my kids. I I call them my kids, at least. And um, I get to be fed, and I get to be filled on every Sunday. I come to 6 o'clock service, and... um, But when it comes to the one services on Wednesdays, I would love to be in here with you guys. But I don't always get the opportunity to do that. I'm usually in city kids working with the four and five-year-olds. And there's times I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I want to be in there. Why can't I go to church today? And I think to myself, I'm like, what if today's the day that God has something for me, but I'm over here in city kids? What if today's the day that God wants to reveal something? What if he wants to answer a prayer today, but I'm over here in City Kids? I'm not in the sanctuary. You guys, number one, God is not only in the sanctuary. He's with you at all times, first of all. Number two, I had to really step back and understand what true service is. Because, like I said, I used to think about myself. But now I think about things like, hey, what if today's the day that that little boy's dad gets saved? What if today's the day that that little girl, they're gonna, their parents were going to have a divorce. But today, because they're in church, their relationship is mended. God took control of that relationship. Something that Pastor Justin said a while ago that has really stuck with me is you will never miss a blessing when you're serving. You will never miss a blessing when you're serving. So good. And I just, that really stuck with me because God's going to bless you for blessing others. And I'm just going to close out here and just remind you a couple points that I said. When you're in tough times, when your faith is being tested, pray harder than you ever prayed before, serve harder than you ever served before, love harder than you ever loved before, and worship harder than you ever loved before. Yes. Don't rest in the test. So good. When you're being tested, don't stay at home. Get <laughs> in church, okay? Yeah. And last point, you'll never miss a blessing because you're serving. So good. Come on. That's who's teaching your kids right there. I would. Yeah, that's not good news. That's whoa. That's horrifying. 
feel happy about that if she was teaching my kids. She's so faithful, man. She's, she's, she's just so reliable. She's going to take her pretty little pink high heels and go right back to your kids right now. Like, how awesome is that? But uh, I'm just so grateful for, for these students. We have one more quick testimony from a brother and sister. Their story is just beautiful, and I just wanted you to hear it, so I asked them to come up. I'm going to welcome Desiree and Jacob Cruz to the stage. Come on up, guys. Thank you, thank you. All right. Um, so let me start off. Um, my family did not come to church last year. Like, we had no church. I came to Neo. That, that was pretty much it. My little brother went to my grandma's church. But I decided with great hesitation to go to Soul Fire last year. I wasn't really excited for it until I actually got there. Um, I wasn't expecting God to do anything in my life at all. I just thought, this is just summer camp. Play some football, some sports. Oh, God, I need to get in shape. <laughs> um, but my, my mom's birthday falls into that week. Every year, apparently, because I guess it's the same one. Because last year it was her birthday. This year it was her birthday. <laughs> Happy late birthday again. Um, I made a promise last year on her birthday to come to the Sunday service. And she said yes. So we came we came through those doors one year ago today. Come on. We sat in those pews right over here one year ago today. On. We found our home yes. one year ago today. Come on. You know, this is so different than any testimony time I've ever heard in any church service. And what I mean by that is, is back in the old day when people would have testimony time, they would, you know, talk about being down and out, not not just not being able to pay the bills, but like sinning. And then Christ came and they heard the gospel and they were confronted with their sins and they knew that their only hope was in their crucified and risen Savior. Here we've got kids getting up. In a, in a very real way, just mimicking the slogans and the applause lines that they've had modeled for them by their seeker-driven pastors. The stuff that God has done this past year is just I, it's so good. speechless. Okay, that's just that's all I can sum it up as. My little brother serves in City Kids. He loves that. He goes to New York Rising. My mom is a host right back there right now serving... And she's the lead host for Four Service. My main thing, don't give up on your family. Like, yes. Just don't give up on them. Because yes. my family was not in Christ. And last year at Soulfire, I prayed with Pastor Justin and Pastor Amanda for my family. Yes. One person praying for their family to see them here. Yes. And look where my mom is. Yes. And look where my little brother is. And look where I am. None of this would have been possible if I didn't step up and ask. But even more important of that, that none of this would have happened if we didn't have pastors like Pastor Janice and Pastor Gary. Yes. If we didn't have pastors like Pastor Jeff and Pastor Amy, Pastor Justin, Pastor Amanda. None of this would have happened. Come on. I wouldn't have gone to Soul Fire. I wouldn't have found my Savior. I wouldn't have hope. I'd just be that depressed little teenager I was. I know now 
And, you know, they always say that, like, family is so important. But you don't get that when you're depressed, when you're angry, yeah, and cool. you don't realize what's going on in your life. And you just, you just stop. You just don't care anymore. And there's no point. There's no point. And it's true because you didn't know Jesus. <laughs> there was no point until you knew Jesus. Come on. So good. Not all my family is saved. My older brother, the, the guy I've looked up to my whole life, is atheist. But that hasn't stopped me. Come on. I'm still praying for him. Yes. Yeah. And I'm praying and praying and praying, but, you know, sometimes those little doubts get in your head. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, he's not going to be saved. No, he's going to be saved. Yes. It's not, it might not be today. It wasn't yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it might not be tomorrow. It might not be next week, next month, next year. It might be five years from now, 10, 20, maybe when you're in your deathbed. But he will be saved. Yes. She will be saved. Your cousin, your uncle, your mom, your dad. They will be saved. Come on. Boy, they've got the slogan applause line, you know, cadence down perfectly. <sighs> what have these kids been taught? So don't give up on them. Pray for them because they're not going to get it without you and without Jesus. Come on. Amen. You know, this story... I can't hardly get through this story because it's so emotional for me. I asked Jacob to come in here, first of all, because he's just like the cutest guy we've got in Neo Rising. Look at this guy. Come on. Honestly, it's amazing. But I remember when Desiree came up to us, Pastor Amanda and I, and said, I just want to pray for my family to be saved. Like, she could have asked for anything. Teenagers can tend to be a little self-centered. I don't know if you guys knew that. But, uh, like, they can tend to be. We all can, though. We all can. And she, of everything she could have asked for, said, I want to pray for my family to be saved. Uh, I met her mom when they got saved. The whole family started coming. I baptized her mother August 8th. I know Melissa's ready to celebrate August 8th because that's going to be her baptism birthday, she called it. But uh, she's now one of our brightest leaders. These guys serve like crazy, like all because one person prayed. And so I encourage you guys, let this story inspire you. You, you might not be the teenager praying for your parent, but you might be a parent praying for your teenager. They're a testimony that God can bring a whole family around. Love you guys. You guys are awesome. Today, this is not just about you saying, wow, look how awesome those youth are. Look how awesome camp was. It's look how awesome Jesus is. Yeah, I didn't hear anything about Jesus. He can do something in your life. This is one generation declaring to another God's mighty acts. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's not what I heard. And if you feel like you have no hope today, if you feel like maybe you lost it, maybe you felt discouraged. I really felt this in my spirit today that I was praying, God, let people be encouraged when they hear our youth. And I felt the spirit tell me that they were going to be. What is that? A Jedi Academy that got going on there? People discouraged when they were watching because the enemy would love to come in and put shame and make you feel like, man, that could have been me. I was so on fire at one point in my life. I, I, I knew of God. I, I had it at one point and I lost it. I wish I would have started as young as them. I wish I would have had it as young as them. You know what? That's not truth. That's a lie from the enemy because our Bible says that God can restore everything that the enemy has stolen, that today is the day of salvation. That... Uh-huh. Today is the day of salvation, and that doesn't mean repent of your sins and your wickedness and be forgiven by the shed blood of Christ. It means something different. God has a way of bringing life, life, and more life, even though there's ruins. So let these young vessels remind you that you're a vessel as well. And you know what? As much as we're excited about them taking their place, we, we need 
everyone to take their place. We need mothers and fathers. You might not be their mom or their dad, but you can be a mother and a fathering spirit to young people all around you. So church, I pray that we are all built up today. All right. That's the end of that. That's just terrible. These kids have no clue. They have no clue what real salvation is about. They have no clue what real Christian sanctification is. They really do not know what the Bible really teaches. They, it's, they're utterly clueless and they're throwing around the name Jesus and God and believe they're receiving all this direct revelation in their spirit and, oh, and God's telling them their purpose and their calling for their life and all this kind of stuff. And they haven't got even the basic rudimentary doctrines of Christianity preached into their skulls. Wow. Yeah. Um, just remember this. Water doesn't run uphill. All right, we're at the end of another edition of Fighting for the Faith. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you could do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. And follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>